This gospel reading that we have today focused on what we call the transfiguration, and that's why this is the Sunday of the transfiguration, reveals a kind of tension that you can find throughout some of the stories of the scriptures. In fact, we hear some of it in the first lesson that we have as well from the book of Exodus. It's a tension between up there on the mountain and down there on the ground in the low places. We see the tension happening in Exodus. Moses goes up, up there, up on the mountain to receive the law from God, to have this supernatural communication with God, this amazing thing, while the other people stay down on the ground, not up on the mountain. And there is a difference between those two places. And, and Moses is clear that there is some tension there. In fact, he seems to want to get ahead of it because you might notice he said, now, if there, if there are any disputes, so <laughs> he must have been used to disputes at that, but if there are any disputes, you have Aaron and her to go to. So Moses is already planning for the tension that happens when he will be up there and something special will be happening up there on the mountain, but others will be left down there on the ground. This happens in the transfiguration story that we hear where Jesus takes the three kind of top disciples, if you want to rank them, the three closest disciples to Jesus, Peter, James, and John, he takes them up the mountain while the other disciples stay behind, down on the ground. And if we had read more, the next part of the scriptures, we'll find out that while Jesus and these three star disciples were having their moment up on the mountain, the other disciples were struggling. They were trying to do ministry back down on the ground level, you know, where most ministry happens, and they were failing. There was a man that came uh, and trying to uh, get a paralytic healed, and they couldn't do it. The disciples could not heal this person without Jesus and Peter and James and John. And I imagine they probably felt some of that tension that here they are working and struggling while their leader, Jesus, and the other three top disciples are off, you know, having this otherworldly experience on top of a mountain. There's this kind of tension, this pull between what goes on up on the mountain and what happens down on the ground level. But actually, the, the life, the path of the disciples was that tension really over and over again. It sure seems to be one of the points of this Gospel of Matthew to communicate that the disciples' path was ups and downs, highs and lows, as we talked about in children's time. Right before the story of the transfiguration is this another story you might be familiar with when Jesus is asking his disciples, what do the people say about me? Who do the people say that I am? And some of them said, well, we've heard maybe, uh, maybe like Elijah, kind of the best of the, the prophets, you know, maybe John the Baptist, some other things. And that's when Peter, the kind of closest disciple to Jesus, has a moment of inspiration. I think literally the spirit is in him, and he says, you are the Christ, 
right? The anointed one, the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. It's an answer that Peter couldn't have gotten on his own. It was like God gave him this answer. He made this confession. It was like God came near and gave him this, this kind of high point in Peter's career where he says, you are the Christ. And Jesus acknowledges and says, on this rock I will build my church. It's such a wonderful thing. You have been given this from God. It didn't come from you. This was a moment with God. And then Jesus goes right from there directly to telling the disciples that he will be betrayed and he will be killed and crucified. Peter is coming off this high of, of you know, guessing right. Ooh, <laughs> Jesus is the Messiah is resistant to that. No, Jesus, that can't be. You're the Messiah. This stuff can't happen. And then, and then Jesus, you remember what Jesus said to him? Get behind me, Satan. So Jesus went from calling Peter, you know, the rock in this incredible confession to Satan just in the space of like two or three verses. From a high, high to a low, low. As Jesus talks about his betrayal and crucifixion. And Peter just can't deal with it. And it's just six days after that happened that Jesus takes Peter and James and John up, up onto the mountaintop. So they're going back up again for an incredible experience. And while they were up there, Jesus is transfigured, which is just a fancy word, saying that Jesus has changed. He's still Jesus, but he is changed and there's bright light and his clothes are different and the, the disciples can't believe their eyes and then suddenly Jesus is talking with Moses, the giver of the law, one of the most important persons in the Hebrew scriptures and Elijah, like king of all the prophets, the most powerful of the prophets and Jesus is talking with them. They're having like this altered state of consciousness. They're seeing something completely incredible, this hive. Things are making sense. Now they get it. Yes, Jesus is the one. And look, he's with Moses and Elijah, and they see it clearly, and they're excited. And Peter is so excited and so filled with this high on top of the mountain that he doesn't know what to say, but that doesn't stop him from talking because he starts saying, oh, we can build houses here, Jesus, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And he is interrupted by the voice of God, saying, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am pleased. Listen to him. This incredible mountaintop moment. And the disciples are terrified. And when they look back up again, it's over, or it seems to be over, because all that they see standing there is Jesus himself, alone. And Jesus says, come on guys, let's go back down the mountain again. He's starting to see the path of a disciple is ups and downs, and they go back down the mountain again. Immediately after this, we find out about how the disciples who were left behind were, had a really hard time healing. They couldn't do this healing, and Jesus says, yeah, so weak in faith. If you just believe just a little bit, you could do anything. And then Jesus says, what I have to do is suffer and go to the cross. These ups and downs, 
Jesus showing them their faith that can move mountains, do anything, can take you to the mountaintop, but then leads you right back down. This is the life of a disciple, these ups and these downs. The disciples have, are starting to get used to it, I think. Now, this Gospel of Matthew that we read, it has come to us in this form. It was written down many years after Jesus died. And so the Gospel of Matthew that we know, along with the other Gospels, were collections of these events, of Jesus' life stories, of his sayings, and these things that were really helpful for the early church, the, the first Christians who were working together, called by the Spirit to be the church. And so this Gospel of Matthew, besides being enlightening to us now and calling to us now as disciples, was the same way to the first members of the early church, followers of the way of Jesus. And so we can ask, well, what is it trying to teach them? What is the message of the Gospel to the early church? For me, it'd be hard not to see this message for the first members of the early church about this up and down, about these highs and lows, right? Jesus says something really interesting. I don't know if you heard it as I was reading through the gospel. After this incredible moment, this mountaintop experience, where, you know, if you or I have had a moment like this where we clearly saw Jesus and bathed in light with Moses and Elijah and everything kind of made sense and it would seem like, now I get it. It's proven to me. I understand everything. You know what Jesus says as they're walking back down the mountain? He orders them not to tell anyone. Don't talk about this. Can you imagine seeing the most incredible thing in your life and then Jesus saying, yeah, but don't, don't tell anyone that just, this just happened seems kind of odd that Jesus would order them not to talk about the most amazing thing that they had ever seen until, because Jesus says, until the Son of Man has risen again. They have witnessed this incredible mountaintop experience, and Jesus tells them not to talk about it until after the crucifixion and resurrection. To me, the message to the church, to the first followers of Jesus and to us, is that we have to tell the whole story. We have to talk about the cross and the glory, right? It has to be both. It could be very tempting for us to maybe get bogged down in the kind of down-to-earth stuff that all of us have to do and the struggles that we all face and the bills we have to pay and the relationships we have to manage and the times we have to ask for forgiveness, the mistakes that we make, the failures that we encounter, and we could get bogged down in that stuff that we all have to deal with. Maybe it feels like it's been a long time since you've had a mountaintop experience and you just start to feel buried underground, down low. But I think a bigger danger, especially for the church, is to try to get too focused on the mountaintop. To do like what Peter did, which is to want to just stay up there on the mountaintop forever. That's why he says, let's build these 
homes. Let me build these things. It's good for us to be here. Let's stay here. I had been on vacation last week with uh, some of my friends from seminary, and and, uh, one of my friends, Alexis, who's a pastor, talked about how she visited the Church of the Transfiguration, which is on a mountaintop, which is held by tradition, to be the mountaintop in Israel where this thing happened, this moment, this transfiguration. And she said on the top of it, there is a church, the Church of the Transfiguration, and wouldn't you know it, but they have three tabernacles, three kind of home things set up just like what Peter wanted to do. One for Moses, one for Jesus, one for Elijah. Because that is our constant temptation, to want to stay on the mountaintop, to want to stay in that experience where everything makes sense, where we have clarity, where we aren't troubled with the problems of the world down there, right? We're kind of up in the air at 10,000 feet, although the mountain in Israel is not that tall, but, you know, way up with your head in the clouds where you feel free from the problems of the world. That's where I know I would like to stay and like to be there. That's our temptation, isn't it? To want to always be there. And I think the church has this temptation often to try to convey this to others that Like our message to the rest of the world is, come on in, the water's fine. It's great in the church. We have no problems. (laughs) It's really nice. We're, We're happy people all the time, and you should just come and hang out with us on the mountaintop, which everybody knows is a lie, right? That's not how any any of the churches, I've been to a lot of churches, none of them live on the mountaintop all the time. But that's the image that we want to convey because we don't want to scare people away. We want them to think that everything is hunky-dory all the time. Come on in. And we focus on just the mountaintop, just the, the good stuff, just the glory, God's majesty, God's power. And we miss where Jesus spent most of his time down on the ground. There's this phenomenon that, I, that I've heard happens if you spend a lot of time on social media that you might see your friends or the people that you know or even celebrities posting about the wonderful things from their lives all the time. And I made this incredible thing and my kids accomplished this amazing thing. And you could get a distorted view of reality if you only ever saw your friends and celebrities having successes and sharing their successes. You'd miss out on all the failures and all the struggle that it took to get anyone to where they are. And that can kind of mess with our heads when we think that everyone else is having all these successes and here we are stuck on the ground, you know, and like, I want to be on the mountaintop too. I don't think it's a new problem, but maybe with social media, it's gotten worse. But We don't want to tell that story as a church, right? That everything is just fine all the time because it's not real. And it certainly doesn't help anyone when they're back on the ground. We have to tell the whole story. That includes both our mountaintop experiences, but also our struggles and our failures. The disciples who followed Jesus sure had those ups and downs, both those moments where they got it right, 
where God put exactly the right words in their mouth, where Peter said, you are the Christ, where they saw Moses and Elijah hanging out with Peter, with Jesus. But then we also have to talk about the times where we try to help someone and we can't. How, as a church, we have no easy, simple answer for violence in the world. We have no easy answer for why there are still people who walk into crowded places with a gun and shoot up people. We have no easy answer for that. We have no easy answer where, why people in our community, Pinellas County, can't find a safe place to live. We don't have an easy answer. We maybe have some things to work on. We don't have an easy answer. We have to acknowledge those things. And as individuals, our call as disciples is to share this life with one another, both the ups and the downs. And to remember that sometimes we need to see Jesus, not just with arms lifted up in glory and light shining down. We need to see Jesus as he appeared to the disciples after the transfiguration himself alone. We need to see Jesus who walked back down the mountain, who walked to the cross, who took a path that led him to be abandoned and alone. So that wherever we go, whether we are up high on the mountain or down buried underground, that wherever we go, wherever we are, we are not alone that Jesus walks those highs and those lows with us. And we share this story with the rest of the world, both our highs and our lows, because Jesus is always with us. Amen.